We're rolling. Yeah. Hold on. When Mike's ready. Hold on. Champions don't become champions when they're in the event. With proper nutrition, you can achieve anything. Thank you very much. Subscribe to the channel. Now, folks, need nutrition, you'll get it anyway. Welcome to the show. This is the Winning Mindset Podcast. I'm here today with none other than my big brother, Mr. Michael O'Hearn. My name is Wally Adesmoy, your host. I am the five-time WFF Muscle Model Pro World Champion. I think I know a thing or two about winning, and I really want to talk to people that have done amazing things with their life to see where they are at right now and what they've done to get there. So. I really want to talk to interesting people that have done amazing things. They've propelled themselves to where they are. The world has written them off prior to them getting to where they need to be. So, Mike, I want to hand over to you. Those people that don't know who Mike O'Hearn is, um, they must be living under a rock for the last 30 oh. years or so. Um, please just tell us a little bit of, the, of, of your backstory, who Mike O'Hearn is. Wow. Um, I started off modeling, powerlifting, um, bodybuilding at a very young age found success in all of them um, by the time I was 17 years old. Um, Joe Weider discovered me. Uh, next thing you know, by the time I was uh, barely turning 20, I was already well years into the magazines, um, doing romance covers, muscle magazines, um, winning shows in powerlifting, bodybuilding, martial arts, and traveling the world. Um, and then gladiators came along. And so the television jumped into there. Uh, now we're, we're talking about 30 decade, three decades ago. Um, and that just continued for years and years and years. Um, too long to go into it, but uh, I had success on television. And for some reason, it has moved into movies at this stage of my career. Um, I never stopped training. I never stopped uh, being involved in the health and fitness world. And we're still here today, moving and grooving. I think, you know, and I'm a you, dog guy. Yeah, you're a dog guy. I think you're very modest in what you've just said and the way you present yourself. Um, no, I mean, I've had the privilege of knowing you for most a decade. And I don't only look at you as a mentor, but I look at you also, I'm also a fan of yours at the same time. And I think you're very modest in the way you present yourself. But, you know, you are not just Michael Hearn that the public sees out there. Your Michael Hearn has come over a lot of obstacles to get to where you are today. So the purpose of today is really to talk about some of the obstacles you faced in your early years to get you to, like, for example, the, the powerlifting meetings, you know, people probably think, that did you win all your competition? How did you get on? How did Joe Wheeler discover you? You know, when you came to California, what were the obstacles that you faced? And what were the inner dialogues that you, you were having with yourself about failure and about quitting, you know? Ooh, yeah. Uh, uh... Interesting. Yes. Um, I, I, uh, I was pretty successful at a young age when it did come to competing and winning. Mm. Um, and I think that's because I set myself up and we talked about this earlier today, mm. my surroundings from the discovery of what I loved, I set up myself to win. Mm. Now I didn't realize I did it at such a young age. I was 12, 13, 14 years old, going to a certain gym where I got lucky enough to be around the strongest humans in the world. Now, for me, that age, I just thought they were 
big, strong guys. Everybody's father was a strong, I thought, which is a topic we talked about, ignorant, blessed. Yes. So at 12 or 13, I'm thinking a, a 900 deadlift is normal. A 600 bench at 240 is normal. There's nothing to it. Um, and so at such a young age, I, I got lucky enough to be around such greatness and adapt a mindset that, uh, again, hope, I guess would be the word hope. I, if these gentlemen can do what they're doing in powerlifting, mm. then I could do that. And then I took it a notch further, which again, it goes back to that ignorant bliss is that I would like to be that strong, but also visually be a Mr. Universe mm. and look that way and be that strong. And again, by not knowing, I got to be able to do that. And I think if I listen to the world or the, the, the outside voices of what people say you can and can't do, I don't think any of that would have been feasible. So that was your first time at defining the odds, would you say, in regards to being not only a powerlifter, but an amazing looking bodybuilder at the same time? Because according to the outside world, that doesn't exist. You can't be a powerlifter and a bodybuilder at the same time. So you kind of defined the odds and became an anomaly, really. In, in what you did in that sort of early age, did that set you up for bigger and better things down the line? I think that mindset actually at that age set me up to where I would not be here if it wasn't for that mindset. Mm. And if it wasn't established at such a young age for me, now I'm hoping that, that people can find that discovery at 20, 30, 40, whatever it is. But for me, I knew no, no other way and I never allowed the outside voices on what they believed was possible mm. affected me and what I could do. And suddenly, by the time I was in my late teens, I was already winning Mr. California powerlifting and the bodybuilding. So it was like, okay, I'm establishing my beliefs mm. and I'm, I'm concreting and, and foundation, foundation, foundation of my beliefs are now coming true. So I really don't even need to listen to the outside voices because I just got to stay within my lane and what I believe is true. That's really interesting because I think that's a lot of things that a lot of people don't believe in themselves. So, and they have near says that will shatter their dreams before they even put it into fruition. So meaning that, you know, they might tell somebody that, oh, I wouldn't do a, my first bodybuilding competition. And, you know, the, they, their closest friends might be the one to be like you. You do your first bodybuilding competition, look at you. And all of a sudden that puts them, that not believing in themselves to get to where they need to be to do their first bodybuilding competition. Did you ever have any of that growing up? Like, did you ever have anyone saying to you, like, you're a powerlifter, Mike, you're not a bodybuilder? It is even worse than that. Because because I was at this gym, uh, bodybuilding was considered something else. And so they were very... Uh, what I like is they treated like me like a man. Yeah. And I'm talking about guys that the old school guys will know Doyle Kennedy, Doug Furness, Jeff Magruder, and these legends. They will uh, realize that they treated me like uh, a man by the age of 12, 13, 14, mm. which I actually liked. And so they would tease me about the other side of it because that old school powerlifting is one side, bodybuilding's on the other. Mm. Um, there's no mixing the two. Um, so they would tease me on that. But it was fun for me at that age because I didn't let that teasing interfere with my beliefs. 
I liked the banter. Mm -hmm. I liked it. And I, I felt like I was already a grown man at that young age. And so when I stepped on stage at the first time at 14 years old and I beat all these 19 year old kids, mm. it was like everything just kept getting that, that concrete, another layer of it. Mm. That's my foundation. This is where I'm at. This is what's feasible. And so I never, I never listened to the naysayers or the, or as Arnold says, the naysayers or just the doubters or people saying you can't do it. I had a great support crew. Maybe. My parents and my family were just so supportive and the people around me were so supportive. Uh, that initial crew that I would listen to, because mm. you're always going to have tons and tons of people yelling at you and saying what's not possible. Mm. But that never interfered me because these people were just the average. These are the ones that believe whatever they want to believe, but they don't do anything with their lives. So I never, I never had what you're saying. I never had those guys saying you can't do this or that until I got to California and I was at Gold's for the first time being a young kid. And I'm starting to train with Tom Plaz and all these guys, Jim Quinn, Mike Quinn. All these guys are here and we're training and we're being beasts. And then came into the play of, well, I'm stronger than all these guys, but I don't look like these guys. Even mm. though I won the universe by that time, I still didn't look like these guys. Mm. Um, and so I had to be patient with my road to the success that I wanted relative to the quick fix. That's an interesting topic because an analogy that I always use, and I've used it several times while I've been with you here, um, is your body's not am like Amazon Prime. You don't order it today and it turns up tomorrow. And and for you to go in at the age of, what, 17 into Golds? Is that correct? Uh, 19 into Golds. 17 into was into the magazines. Yeah, so you walked into Golds. That nobody knew, but people already knew who you were by that age because you were in the magazines. Yeah, I was lucky enough. Yeah, so you're walking into Golds already known as, you know, you've been in the magazines, you've done a lot of front covers. Um, people knew who Michael Owen was walking into gold. So did that actually have a, a, like a, a, a problem with your actual ego going in there thinking, well, people know who I am. Um, I don't look like these guys, but I'm stronger than them. Did that, do, do you know, a lot of people feel like strength translate into like building muscle. Can you just explain? Those are two things. Those yeah. are two things because one, walking in, already having my covers yeah. before even being at Gold's Gym was cool. Um, and it did help for the rest of the world to, yeah. to know who this guy is. And then what was cool is I always believe that you need to, uh, you shouldn't be respected. You need to earn the respect. Totally and so that's fine for me that they thought, well, this guy's just a pretty face and a big kid, mm. big farm boy. Holy sheesh. And, and, and all this. Um so I liked the fact that I had to earn that strength and size and all that kind of respect in mm. the gym by training with them and outlasting them and lifting heavier than them and mm. having more fun than them yeah. and not being able to be uh, uh, um, bantered in a way. Mm. You know, it's like, uh, you want to talk smack? Let's go squat 315 for 50 reps. Let's go do this and stuff. So it was, it was a great thing that I was already known because of the work I did as a teenager a young teenager, but then it was also fun for me that I knew that I had to earn respect. I should not receive it. It didn't matter that I got the covers. It didn't matter that I won these powerlifting and bodybuilding shows. It mattered what I did when I was there with them in the trenches. That's really, really good. So you're going in like really eating a lot of humble pie going into golds and thinking that, you know, even though that, you know, I've been on front covers, these guys know who I am for the past two years, 
you're going in very humbled and thinking, I want to earn their respect, you know, by training just as hard as they can train at a level of intensity they can train at for the duration even maybe longer than they can train at. So would you say that you doing that propelled you forward within the bodybuilding world? Because I think that, you know, I always use another analogy that I use. I said, eagles don't fly with pigeons. Did you feel like the eagles that you surrounded yourself with, that you became a product of your environment, that the people that you surrounded yourself with were superstars, Lee Platts, you know, you know those names, the big names in the bodybuilding world that, that were training the gold. The biggest. You know. The, when you the, think now, it's... You it's, know, Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> was work, well, probably still training at the time you walked in. You know, you had big, big names. You know, I walk into gold still today and I feel like, you know, I, I, something just takes over me. It feels like I'm walking the, in, the, in the footsteps of giants. So how does it feel for you as an individual to be around those individuals, to be around those, I'll say, eagles, did you feel an eagle amongst eagles? Or did you feel like you were kind of trying to prove a point to be an eagle? I think this kind of goes back to what the show's about. The show's about mindset. Yes. Uh, I put myself at a young age in a position to where I su can succeed because I was around the very best. Fantastic. The next step was what? Stay in Washington State and, and be the best for what's there? Mm. No. The next step was get to California train at Gold's Gym, mm. and establish yourself above everybody else again, or at least be in the ranks and in the names and be in that fight. So it's not, did I go there to get respect? I went there because that's the next step when you do. Mm. That's just what you did, especially back then, because we needed the magazines. We needed that uh, shoots in Gold's Gym. You need to be around the greatest. And so I don't, I think that's just another step for any business. Mm. You know, you, 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 you whatever your intake is on what you want to do with life you want to keep putting yourself around the very best and so it was an easy move for me to go let me go down to gold's gym and again get into this uh, small pool of the most the greatest mm. in the world and lee was out there lee haney and rich gaspari and all these guys and then lee priest came out years later um but tom plaza and it was such an old school mix up to the new school, Mike Christian was there. It was mm. like, it was incredible. Uh, so I think it's just a, a necessary step I had to do. And again, I think being just raised in a smart way to go to the very best to be the best. That's interesting because I think like what you're saying is that the way you put yourself and the environment you put yourself in helps you to succeed. Because I always believe that winning does not happen by accident. You don't win by accident. You win by the things that you've done prior to winning. So, you know, the things that you've done in the days, the weeks, the months leading up to a show, leading up to a, a, a powerlifting meet, that's what's going to assist you to meet, to actually to win. So you already had that sort of winning mindset. Can you just explain it to the audience what that winning mindset looked like to you as an individual when you knew that, you know, to some degree the odds were stacked against you because you were in the footsteps of giants at Gold's? I don't know. It's a tough one because it, it just seemed logical to me. And it seems like everybody should have that mindset. It, I found what I wanted at a young age. So I put myself around that, that step at that age mm. was luck 12, 13. But I think that's on the parents at that point. Mm. If it wasn't me, 
I hope parents will see the the love. And I've been around these parents today mm. that see that their son has the love for baseball or something like this, and they put them right in the mix mm. with the very best coaches, the very best teachers of this, the best athletes. So I think that was the kickstart. But then moving forward, everything after that was something that I think everybody should have is that continue to put yourself around. And so I did that knowing that I'm going to be the bottom of the barrel. And even if I'm not mentally, keep your attitude down here mm -hmm. and continue to work and give them respect and then try to beat them at everything they do at that young age. Would you say your competitive nature coming into golds at the age of 19 oh. helped you? Because, you know, I spoke <laughs> to a few people about you and they'll be like, you know, Michael Herm was a beast. Like he can squat like, you know, 500 pound for reps and like, you know, speaking to the likes of Paul Delette about you. And, you know, he mentioned what you was like when he was training at goals back then. And um, would, would you say that that kind oh, of yes. helped you kind of going in with, with that sort of attitude? And would you say that that helped you? Oh, yeah. I was a young lion. Yeah. I, I It didn't matter. I And mostly knowing that I came from a, a, a deep-rooted powerlifting background that I wanted to come in there and show them. Now, powerlifters can actually do 20 or 30 or 40 reps mm. with a poundage that no most people can't do a single with. And so that was fun. And that was the attitude coming just from that wrestling mentality mm. of just wanting to grind it out. I think it helps 100%. I mean, I, it just for me, it's a life is a competition. And so I still have that attitude today. I think that's one thing I, that helps today is that you have all these OGs. Mm. And they can all talk about it from, I don't care if it's uh, Flex Wheeler, Chris Cormier, Sean Ray, or Paul. They'll talk about those days where that strength was re retarded and the rep range and the work ethic. And they'll say, regardless of how you feel about me, mm. the work ethic that I've had through these last uh, at Gold's three and a half decades is unmatched and continues to still be at that level. My question for you is that, you know, I've lived with you, I've trained with you for almost a decade now myself, and every single time I come and train with you, I'm impressed at the physique that you still hold and the ability and the discipline that you hold. And, you know, knowing that the fact that that winning mindset doesn't stop because of the, the uh, like your, your accolades and mm. accomplishment that you've had, you know, I know that you don't eat anything that's not measured. I know that you're up early every single morning you know, you take your shower, you have your first meal, you're in the gym. So what are you doing it for, Mike? You're 55 years old. You know, you've, you've, you, you can basically stop today and your legacy will still live on. So for the for those that are in their 50s, those that your age that are, are writing themselves off, thinking they that they that's it, that their chance of getting a, an, an amazing physique or getting the, the wife of their dream or getting the, the, the home of their dream is over. What sort of motivational, inspirational talk can you give them and tell them to be like, look, life is not over at 50. I mean, you're in one of your best years now. You're, you're out-squatting me, out-benching me. You can probably out-train me still. And you're 15, well, sorry, shall I say you're 12 years ahead of me. What are you doing oh, it for? Yeah. Um, I, honestly, I just absolutely love it. And I think if you can find something you love so much, it's a twofold. 
One is that I absolutely love doing what I do. And I love doing it so precise like I do. Yeah. And I also like the fact that I continue to study it and see, is there little changes I can do to make it even better? Mm. But can I also do this in a way that might, for me, the, the legends before shared that passion that they did. And they mm. did it for themselves. At the end of the day, if you're doing it for yourself, you're going to continue to do it. It doesn't matter if you win the universe like I did mm -hmm. or you take last. You're still going to do it because you love it. And that's the second fold. The second fold is that I love it so much, but it also helps me stay healthy and continue the life I love. But continue to stay healthy in the sense of just everyday life and to be able to continue to move and groove and tussle with my son. You made a simple analogy whilst we've, I've been with you here in California, in the Titan Castle, saying that before it was a choice that you can train. Mm -hmm. Now in your 50s, you have to train. Yeah. Can you just explain that to those out there that might be listening to this who are in their 50s and they are just, I wouldn't say couch potatoes, but they're not pushing themselves they're not training the way they used to do in their 40s can you just explain the benefits of resistant training alone for the human body at that sort of age yeah i think most people and i wish they would understand this earlier um it's there was a point probably 15 years ago maybe even uh, right before my 30s mm. that up to that point it's I get to train. I get mm. to get up and keep going and keep pushing it. And then I hit that 40 and I realized that 40, when I had gladiators again, went out and got that and booked that and locked it down. Team captain, fun. But I also realized at that point, I now had to train. Mm. And, and going into those 40s, it's like I have to build a foundation in my 40s. Hopefully the years before that helped. Mm. But definitely by that 39, 40, that I have to continue to train to build, build that foundation so I can do this and be healthy until I'm 60 or 70. Because at a certain point, the only thing that's going to keep you healthy and moving mm. it won't be the massages. It won't be the cold baths or anything like that. It'll be stretching in a range of motion and keeping that full range of motion the best you can with a pressure on your body to stimulate stress. Mm. to keep the muscularity, keep the bone density. And so at that point, I just, I realized I had to keep doing it. And it wasn't the benefit of, I get to do it. Mm. Now I have to do it if I want to continue to be healthy. So there's research out there that shows like past your 30th birthday, you're losing that 10% muscle mass per annum. And the only thing that can right, reverse that is resistant training. So would you say that you are actually, now you're having to train you're enjoying training more than you did when you wanted to train? Would you say your mindset has shifted a little bit to, you know? Uh, it's shifted. Uh, I'm more appreciative. And I think that's where it comes in. And, and I wish more people would do this. I'm more appreciative that I still get to do it. Mm. And what I mean by that is that there's people that with bad shoulders, bad knees, bad backs. And there's people that, friends of mine that are in wheelchairs that can't even do that. And so when somebody says to me, that's healthy mm. and they're in their mid twenties and thirties and they go, wow, what keeps you training every day? What's motivating? 
I, I don't want to answer them mm. because they'll never relate with the understanding of they don't appreciate life. That's the bottom line. They don't appreciate. If you're not waking up going, holy sheesh, I get to do this right mm. now. I get to be healthy. I get to go train. I get to maybe create this physique mm. that I'm going to be happy about and happy with myself about. If you can't comprehend that, you're not appreciating life. And at this stage, it's like, I appreciate that I'm still here. I appreciate it. And I'm going to, I'm going to praise it, that I get to go train and stay healthy and continue to do this. Does that make sense? To it you? makes sense it's, to it's me. Just, I, I hate that perfect. people go, I need to be motivated. Mm. Give me some motivation. You're alive. Mm. Done. Mm. If that doesn't motivate you, what the heck is some guy on Instagram talking about this or that's going to motivate you for two seconds. It's like, I think a lot of people don't have the self-discipline to commit themselves to regular training regimen, regular nutrition, regular recovery. So that kind of leads me on to my next topic with you, because when I look at you as a whole, you know, Did you want to tell them that you were shocked that I weigh every meal? I'm shocked. Every, everything I eat. Absolutely shocked that Mike weighs everything that he eats. I'm going to definitely tell you that because that mentality he weighs it down to the gram and his meal plan is up on the kitchen cabinet. I can see it every morning. I know what Mike's going to eat for meal one. I know what he's going to eat for meal two. I know what he's, he has about around six meals a day at the moment, six, six, six meals a day. So I can see each and every meal quantities are all there. And he weighs every single meal down to the cranberry juice that he's drinking down to the orange juice that he's drinking. And I'm absolutely blown away because when I drink a cranberry juice or orange juice, I just have a glass of it. I don't weigh it. I've never thought about weighing cranberry juice or orange juice, but this is how precise Michael Mike is with his nutrition. That that leads me on to my second topic that I want to talk about with you because I think people prioritize things. They go one, two, three. And when I look at you, everything's number one to you. Like your nutrition is number one. Your sleep and recovery is number one. Your training is number one. So there isn't any sort of like priority put in place of, you know, like when I say I draw the triangle, I go nutrition, sorry, I go, sorry, recovery, nutrition, training, and then back to recovery. Where with you, it's more or less like a straight line. Well, did you say I'm right in saying that? Because you prioritize you are, yeah, everything. I, I didn't think about that, but you are right. And, but you're also right about how you say things, um, about how the recovery, yeah, and then it's nutrition, then it's training. I agree with that statement. I'm just so appreciative that, that there's these, uh, I guess tools for you to use so you can be the very best. Mm. And I respect them all so much. I respect the training. I respect that recovery mm. because it's like, I wish I respected the recovery more when I was younger. Yeah. But you're so young. You're so, you know, vibrant and strong and mm. you could wrestle a bear attitude that you don't think about, I don't need recovery. I can just three hours and I'm good. And that works for a while, but I just respect all the aspects of health and fitness in the body. And it's cool how all of them work together. Mm. So yeah, I, I'm you're, just you're, so, you're right about I, I'm that. just so impressed with Mike's mindset because this is all about mindset, this podcast, the winning mindset. Mike goes to bed at 8 p.m. every single night. Literally like he's in bed at 8 p.m., and he's getting his eight hours, maybe nine hours sleep sometimes, you know, every single night. I've been living with him for three weeks, so I know this fact. 
and I got him wearing a walk band. We're wearing a walk band here. So to kind of monitor our recovery. When Mike wakes up, Mike is straight on the nutrition. Straight on the nutrition. So, and then followed by nutrition, he's straight on the training. So when I'm talking about the winning mindset, the mindset that he has, his environment, your environment is set up for you to win. So can you please just touch on how you have set up your environment for yourself to win no matter at what? That you look, I look at this environment that you're in and it's built for success because when you can succeed within your training and win within the battles that you're fighting within your head, how do you have that motivation to get up a bed in the morning, get everything in order, get your get everything done? Just talk about that sort of mindset that you had that, and you, that environment that you've set up for yourself to succeed. I think it goes back to the root of when I was so young and I wish that I could talk to my young self and just say, mm. stay on that path because that sets you up for your full life. And I don't think there's that. Um, and I see this with really successful people in their fields. Mm. There never becomes a point where the age comes into play. Mm. They're still, if not even better with their precision as they age, which is a cool thing to see. And that's just basically what I've done. And I've, Somebody pointed out the other day, I didn't, I didn't change for my, my counterpart, Mona. I incorporated her into the life mm. um, because I think I'm so set in my ways as well that it's, this is how it is. If I can continue to live my life this way with those disciplines, mm. then everything else will fall into place and work great. And so it's why I set the way I, I you know, the house, the, you've seen it. Yeah. It's a great place to come and train mm. for a week or two. Amazing uh, place relaxing, mm. but it is, it is a place where you do stay on your nutrition. Yeah. You do get training done first thing. Yeah. And then you can start the business day. Exactly. So I could, you mentioned Mona and I can't mention Michael Hearn success and Michael Hearn's mindset without the, the woman behind the man. I mean, if you guys don't know, we're in front of, she's a badass. She's a badass. Mona is Mike's wife and Mona has been with Mike for uh, a decade, 10 years, yeah. a decade. So as long as we know each other, but I just want to say that man, she's a, she's, a, she's my big sister. I love her to bits. She's an amazing asset to your life. And I mean, for all the men listening out there, we're talking about mindset. We're talking about winning mindset. Talk about the importance of having the correct partner by your set side yeah. to assist you to win. Because without Mona, there's no Mike. And I think it's important that you understand that. And I want you to, to kind of talk to the audience, give them the reason why you've succeeded so well with Mona by your side. I think it, you know, in every aspect, you have great qualities about yourself. And then there's things that you are a little blinded to. And, and I think when it always came to, uh, females, I always looked for something that suited me for the time or, mm. or who I was at the time. Um, like most men, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah. wow, she's yeah. hot. Yeah, she's hot. Yeah. We get along. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Done. I'm in. Let's hang. I'm all in. <laughs> yeah. No bunnies. Delore. Uh, no bunny. I'm all in. <laughs> uh, I think the change up is it was, um, you know, I was I was uh, still on this gladiators and doing all these shows and the magazines and all this stuff, and it was still relevant at the time. Um, and I met her, but she was a different her. Mm. She was a um, like most of the girls I met. I I was a financial 
I've always been smart with my money and stuff in a sense. I say it that way. Mm. Um, and I met her and she was a level above that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Good for you. Wow. And then uh, re, re, finding out where she was from and how she was raised and her mindset is this is one of those girls that didn't fit me. Mm. I had to change in a sense on, on some aspects of my life to really be that full on leader and man uh, to be able to even get her. Mm. And I was like, oh, it's interesting. I've done this with nutrition and training and my mindset for work and all this stuff, but I've never done that for a significant other. Raise the bar, put something that's hard for you mm. in a sense of you have to be a, even a better person. And when I did that is when I got to be able to, you know, be with her and it took me to another place. And so it is that I think Johnny Depp or somebody said this, they said, be careful of who you marry and who that person is at your house. When there's no peace in that house, there's no peace in life. So, right. and it's an amazing thought that that significant other can raise you. Mm. Or if you're blinded, like I was, I was continued to date things that actually took me down. Mm -hmm. And so I still had to make it up on the other side. And on this one is like, wow, it enhanced me, made me better in so many different ways. I was like, why didn't I do that earlier? So you now I'm lucky I didn't do it earlier because I wouldn't have got her. But mm. if you guys are out there, never date the girl that fits you at the time. Date the woman that you have to man up and be even more of an animal to get in the sense of being productive and useful. So that's such a great advice for you know all the men listening out there. I think like we we as men we go for you know this is we go for it's hard not to go for hot, hot whatever hot looking, you know those that fit our lifestyle at the time yeah. we will say but commas so i think for me it's so important that that the woman that you the person that you surround yourself with is going to either elevate you or drag you down yeah. and that's so important for all the men the young boys listening out there you've got to make sure that you make the right choices when it comes to your your life partner specifically and um you know we can't talk about mona well hold on before you go because i would say this i would say for you 20 year olds don't stress so much. And I wish I listened to my dad. I wish I didn't get locked in when I was in my 20s because you become a different human Yeah, from 20 to 30, yeah. 30 to 40. And I wish I wish the 20s were more focused on just the work, even though the 20s are great. Yeah. But again, it goes back to just us wanting to hook up with hot, hot girls. Yeah. And then I got lucky enough to meet a hot girl that's a cover of magazines. Yeah. And on top of that, such a savage when it comes to work and self-made millionaire. So it's like, Okay, I got pretty darn lucky. It's amazing. I mean, like I said, I've been privileged enough to have been welcomed into your home for the last three weeks. And we can't talk about yourself. We can't talk about Mona without talking about Titan. I mean, Titan is he's an interesting chap. I mean, he's four <laughs> years old, looks like a nine-year-old. What are you feeding this kid? I, I mean, this is like you're literally setting him up for success at such an early age that this kid, he's going to be a professional athlete. He's going to be either a football player He's even going to be, uh, you know, a, a tennis player. A, a, you know, he's going to be an athlete. You know, he's going to be a fighter. He's going to be an athlete. This is what I'm saying. So what is it that you're doing at such an early age? I've watched a regimen of food and milk and nutrition and the protein that you put him on. And the, the kid is four years old, 55 pound. And he's such a... Four foot two. 
unbelievable. Just break it down to all the big four. Break it down to all the mothers out there. Your you and Mona's mindset to set your son up for success because again, your son is going to be a product of the environment. He see people like myself walking through the door. He sees his dad. You know. Superhero stuff. So there's a couple things here. I got lucky enough to team up with Jordan Rubin and really go into child nutrition, which was a huge thing. Yeah. So we set up Mona even a year before we got her pregnant. Um, I got her pregnant, and I just said we <laughs> we got <laughs> pregnant, <laughs> but we set her body out to be an incubator for this. Yeah. Um, and it's it. Our joke was that can a can a. Uh, uh, a human handle a superhero sperm, but no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> you're you not handle you're Superman. Not <laughs> you're not we kidding. set her up that uh, that everything would be the best we possibly can. Yeah. Why? Just so we can try to give him the best future as possible. Um, and so when we went through that process, she was on board, which is a tough thing because I imagine if you told most women, "Hey, I want you to eat certain things." Um, and feed for the baby and be an incubator for him prior to you. Mm. Most women will go, no, I want to train. I want to stay lean as mm. best I can. I want to go out there, run while I'm pregnant. And the discovery of how much stress is caused to the baby mm. during the pregnancy. Long story short, we did so much research and Mona was on board, on board 100% on going, Let's do this the best for the baby. Yeah. And then through the early years of living, we continue to have the right to feed him the way we want. And mm -hmm. Learning about enzymes and babies don't have certain enzymes for vegetables and stuff until a certain age. It's like, wow, totally missed that. Where most pediatricians go, hey, eat this, this, and this. And it's like, body can't utilize it at that age. And so we, we really did well. But that being said, Mona and I... And this will give you an insight into Mona and mm. my mindset is that uh, when we got together, we didn't want to have kids. I wanted dogs. I'm good. Yeah. I come from 10. Yeah. So it's like I wanted to be a little selfish and just have my girl for me. Mm. And then realizing that she could raise a child with or without me showed me, wow, this could be a great mother yeah. if we decide to have a kid. And she came to me one day and says, yeah, let's have a little one. And so... I mean, you guys are an amazing family, and the way you kind of are as a father, I know you're a hands-off father, I call you. Yeah. <laughs> a hands-on. Hands-off <laughs> father. Uh, Mona's raising Titan. Yeah, I think, Russ, like, I think that your, credit. Your, your concern as well, I see that you're very concerned in regards to Titan's future, because I know you as a father, yeah. you're very concerned with certain things. I know it kind of, like... It touches your sensitive part. And that's what I want people to know, the real Michael Hearn, the sensitive part of you as you are as a father. Because I know I joke with you and say you're a hands-off father, but that you're not hands-off that much because you're still concerned. I know we're not going to go into depth about things that you're concerned with, but I want you just to talk about the fact that, the you know, the, how, how fatherhood has changed you. This would be a good one for you because now I'm a father. I brought somebody into this world and then, we know what it's like to grow up with dyslexia. Yes. And we handled yeah. it not just well. We yeah. used it as a superpower, superpower as you said. Yeah. And, and, and it gave us enough trauma to where we have a chip on the shoulder. And we use that in a good way, not in a bad way. Yeah. Now, that being said, we also know a lot of people that grew up with dyslexia or, or learning disabilities. And it triggered them in the wrong way. Yes. And they didn't continue like we did. Mm. You know, 
they got beat down. They they beat themselves down, not even the schools or whatever. They beat themselves down where mm -hmm. you and I kind of built ourselves up. Yeah. Going, hey, you want to count me out? Cool. Yeah. I'm going to be the guy that crushes that. And so I do worry about him picking up the aspects that I, if I my dyslexia goes to him or if his learning disabilities happen, I want to make sure that he attacks that and goes through that and 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 doesn't feel bad about himself so as a father man i i worry and i know that every father out there goes that doesn't go away and i know mm. i'm in that stage of i worry i worry i worry i try to do the very best i can but i still worry that's an amazing mindset to have as a father because that you know i know the the and the again we can't talk about titan mona without talking about your dogs because i know what they mean to you um, so you've been a father to dogs from a very early age, and I know how much striker means to you, you know, Khaleesi, you know, Panda. So all your dogs, I know how much they mean to you. But striker holds a special place in your heart, specifically. Can you just touch on that? What that really means to you? What what she holds in your heart and what it means to you? Because I know she was around way before everybody else. You've had her for fifteen years. We all know Huskies lived about twelve years old. 12, 13 years old. So you, 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 you're blessed with an additional two years with striker. But the mindset that you have with your dogs, I think it's just important that you share with our audience because you're such a just a loving individual. That love that you have, I've seen it. Like, it means so much to you. It changes your mood. Like, so much, you know, uh, you know, so much. If anything goes wrong, strikers first. It's like, what, 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 what's happening to striker? Did you not hear that noise? I mean, you better go at me a couple of times. <laughs> we won't talk about it here. We but won't yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. it he here. Thought, but he thought I was mad at him. Yeah, I thought just, I was mad at you. I was emotionally hurt. That's what I'm saying. She was sick that day. And yeah. Stuff. So, I, um, just talk, talk she, touch on that and like, how that affects you as a person. I think everybody here can relate with the friend that was there that pulled you through the hard time. Yeah. Right? Um, and I, that her is both a connection, um, to my mom and dad. Yeah. That was the last connection from something that was here when they were here. Yeah. And now they're both gone. Yeah. Um, but she's still here with me. And then the points of all the downtimes, uh, during a, a streak of my life where I was at the lowest point mm. and she was the one thing that was there that kind of kept me going be responsible, be a father, mm -hmm. um, take care of. And uh, if anything, just sit next to me. Mm -hmm. Don't need to talk. Don't need to do anything like most things, uh, especially dog owners know this. Sometimes you don't need to say nothing. You just need the company. And she got me through uh, the darkest time of my life. And so it's it's a bond. And I, I hope everybody has that kind of bond, if not with a, a puppy, um, with a, an individual or a buddy or a friend or a girlfriend or whatever it is. But it's, a, it's a very powerful bond and you yeah. know, it's a very special bond. And I, I think you're an amazing individual. I think you, you, you've accomplished so much. Like I said to you, if you, you're, if you was to stop today, your legacy would still live on to so many people. And the way you are with, with Titan, the way you are with Mona, the way you are with your dogs. For me as a, as a, as a young man, who's 12 years, your junior, it's, I've taken away a lot of life lessons from living with you for the last three weeks. And the biggest lessons that I probably take away from, not even from training, is just that sort of, just the ability to know that, you know, life might throw curveballs at you, but you've got to overcome those curveballs and that you have. Sometimes you might have good days and bad days. 
you know, and I've seen that in you where you say, oh, this is a good day for striking. You're so happy, <laughs> you know? So, you know, that sort of mindset that, you know, you've gone to bed, you've thought about the day that's happened previously, you woke up and then, you know, the day has progressed and it's been a wonderful day. So what are the things that you kind of look for? What are the things that you say to yourself when you have bad days and you're having that inner dialogue, that, 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 that sort of like inner, yeah. inner fight with yourself? Because, you know, one of the things that I always say is some of the biggest battles you're going to have on this planet is with yourself, nobody else. And we're talking about the winning mindset. The most important thing for me as an individual is for you to yeah. understand. Um, the camera's down. For you to understand. Um, Hold that thought. Yeah. Sorry. Oh yeah, back back in the mix. Do you remember what you talked about? I can't remember what I talked about. I I know. I know exactly what I talked yeah, about. Yeah, baby. So we're back in the mix, guys. Um, I, I wanted to kind of ask Mike because this is this is a um, the winning mindset. What are the sort of battles that you've had with yourself? Uh, some of the fights that you've had with yourself. In your head, because you know, analogies that I always use, some of the biggest battles you're going to have on this planet is with yourself, nobody else. And I think when you can win the battle with yourself, you can win the battle with the world. And this is very important you understand this. And I want you to kind of articulate yourself in such a way to the audience that's listening to this podcast, um, what you have done to overcome some of the battles you've had with yourself to have that winner mentality, because you're a winner. You are a born winner. Uh, I would say it's it's the basic things that we heard from our parents, um, and that is uh, this will pass. So on the down days, it's going to go past you, mm. and you're going to get through it. Mm. Um, and on the good days, same thing. Don't get too high. And I learned that really late in life that try to stay as even as you possibly can. Mm. Don't get too high with the winds. But don't get too low with the the, the struggles. Um, it's all gonna come. It's all gonna go. And just try to stay in it. So it's it's and everybody I think will say that same thing. And then the biggest thing that you said too was this: is that the struggle with yourself. If if you can honestly control yourself, which I wish more people did, um, but if you can handle and those struggles within yourself, you're golden. And then also on top of it, just know that. Most of the problems you think you're going to have, you're not going to have. Yeah. It's one of those wise quotes the old man said to the young guy. He goes, so what is it that you're on your deathbed that you can you can tell me? And he says, all the problems uh, that I worried about never happened. Mm. And we stress about life so much, about every little mm. thing. And chill, <laughs> chill a bit. I I have to say, I, ha I have a level of anxiety with things that I think that may happen in life. And some of the fights that I have with myself, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say I grew up in poverty, but I grew up in a very low income family. And, you know, I'll, I'll say on this first episode of the podcast, one of my biggest fear is going back to where I was when I was young. And I think, you know, that still motivates me to today to succeed. And, and it's still a fear in me to today. So that sort of winning mindset for me is understanding that we're never going back there. You know, we're going to succeed and push on. So I always have that in a battle with myself of the fear of going back to where I was and that sort of, it's almost like a, a wound that never healed, but 
it has healed because I'm not 13, 14 living at home. I'm a 43-year-old man with my own sort of trajectory of what I'm going to succeed and how where I'm going to be in life. But I just think another thing where I'm going to touch on, I think... Before you, was, you leave that one, yeah, because I think you and me are very similar that way. It's, uh, I grew up in, lucky enough. Um, my mom and dad raised 10 kids. Mm. And so... They, they did well enough to where they could feed us all, mm. but we had to help out. But at that same kind of mindset with me is like, I'll never do the, the, the broke that, that just getting by just yeah. barely enough food or whatever that is. But it changed when I met Mona and uh, I had discussions with her and she talked about now Mona was worse than both of us. She came from a communist country, mm. no electricity in her house, an outhouse, dirt floors. It's mm. really bad. She said, I got no fear of being broke again because I know I'll make it back. Oh, I love that. And I was like, wow, that, that just slapped me in the face. Yeah. And I was like, that. wait a minute. I'm still worried about just going back and getting a meal in here and there. She's like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. You can take everything from me. I'll make it back. And I'm I love like, that. Wow. That's. That is a winning mindset right there. That is a winning mindset, knowing that you can lose everything today and gain it all back. So this is one of the things where... But she doesn't say it. You know Mona. I know. She means that shit. I know She's she not means saying it. it for TV and stuff. No, she's I know she it. means it. But what I'm trying to say is that the fact is that the environment that she's come, in, come from has shaped her to the person she is. We live in a very much a, a, a cookie, sort of like a, a bubble wrap world. With, with first world issues, with first world problems, yeah. where a lot of people where are in a third world country are not thinking like we think. So th when you think about the communist country and where Mona has come from, it's almost like coming from a third world country to a first world country and making, being a millionaire. That's rags to riches. That's a true American, like, you know, that's a true American story there. Like for her to come from rags to riches. But then she knows that she can lose everything that she's gained and gain it all back. That is a winning mindset right there. So how does that assist you having Mona by your side saying that to be like, what am I talking about? I've got this woman the saying, we can lose everything and I'll make it all back. Does it's, that give you confidence in yourself and with her? Being an by analogy your side? that you can actually talk about is that we were training this morning together, right? Yeah. And, and you were being vocal, right? And yeah. you were talking to me and you are like pumping me up where Bobo was saying nothing, right? Yeah. And so it's the same thing. We were pushing each other mm -hmm. during the workout to get better. And so next to Mona, anytime I feel a little bit like I'm starting to go this way, mm -hmm. I got her in my ear going, you serious? Mm -hmm. uh, uh. And, and it's cool because it's like a built-in <laughs> coach with you. Yeah. And again, it goes back to the whole thing. That team around you, when you're dropping, can that team lift you up? Don't go down to the level. Mm. And I said that earlier. I said, yeah. don't go down here. You don't need to be kind in that way and make them feel better because they're below you. Yeah. Raise their ass up. Yeah. Be honest with them. Tell them, hey, this is where you're failing. Get your ass moving. It's amazing. I think for me as an individual, I think just listening to you um, and being around you and being around you and Mona – um, this three weeks and you and Titan as well and the dogs has just really inspired me to greatness and listening to Mona, knowing that, that where she's come from, what she's at, hopefully can kind of settle my sort of anxiety 
to, to a level where I feel like, okay, well, I don't, it still affects me to today. And that's a fact. And I will say, you know, I'm a winner. I'm a born winner. I'm born to win. I'm never going to go back there. But that's the sort of level that I'm at where I have a little bit of anxiety thinking, what if? And I know a lot of people have that sort of mentality out there. So I think I want you to kind of leave our audience with sort of like what you can believe that will assist them to get them from where they may be today, like a quote or something or inspirational speech or something that you believe that they can get themselves or get their mind right to propel them to where they need to be tomorrow. So, yeah. you know, think about it. I mean, I know you're not much of a... <laughs> I, I think just motivational speaker, but I think you're a big name in the fitness industry. Yeah. A lot of people will listen to you when you talk, Mike, even me as a, as your big brother, as a small brother, sorry, should I say, as you are my big brother, I'm still a fan. I'm still, you're still my mentor and I listen to everything you say. Yeah. I, I go back to something I've said for decades that got me through the hardest time of my life is that uh, don't rush the pain. The, mm. Those dark times are going to make you the champion you need to be. It's not winning the show. No. It's, it's not getting the great work out of it. It's the struggles. And not rushing it is what the main thing I would like people to do is when you're in that darkness, when you're in there, I know people will kind of try to bring you up, bring yourself out of that. Mm -hmm. Find out what makes you motivated, what makes you want to live and come out of that darkness with yourself and pull yourself out it's going to change you as a person. And that's the, that's the, that's when you grow the most. It's phenomenal. Like it's been a true pleasure having you on the show and listening to your story. I've got to know you a little bit better. And that's just not me saying that for the sake of saying it. Um, that's not I, just for TV. I know it's not just for TV. <laughs> like, it's just for true honesty. I got to know a little bit more about you as an individual. Um, I want to just say to our audience, if you find this podcast interesting, I'll definitely ask you to share it. Um, if there's anybody you believe that you like us to interview out there, um, send us a message. We're more than happy to get them on this podcast. The whole idea is to be inspired by some of the stories that you hear in this podcast and use it in your own life to propel you to greatness because greatness is within all of us. Thank you very much for listening. God bless you all. Remember, let's all get swell like well. <laughs>